Hey, today's podcast is all about you listening to people all over the country, what they're dealing with and so much more. I think you will really get a lot out of today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Gray is uh, joining us just for a quick second because he knows something about inflation because he has a cookie company called Kexi Cookies, and uh, they are they are heavy in let's say butter. Uh, <laughs> you could say that. You could say that. You could. They say have that. some butter in them. Yeah, you don't want to eat them while outside because it could congeal. In, in your bloodstream, and that would not be good. Uh, but uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, what are you seeing in inflation? Uh, a lot of inflation <laughs> uh, on uh, virtually everything. Every ingredient has gone way up. And for the first, you know, it's been going on for like a year mm-hmm. or more. And so for a long time, we, we just ate it. Mm-hmm. We just ate the difference. But eventually... You, you have can't. to raise your price. Have and you the, raised your price? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I know that kills you. Yeah, it uh, it hurts. Um, but then we we raise the price to include shipping, though. And shipping is probably, it's one of the most expensive aspects of yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Uh, but the between the ingredients and the shipping, uh, it's inflation really hurts. Really hurts. When butter goes up, when sugar goes up. When eggs go up, all that stuff goes was, into the cookies. I was telling uh, uh, Stu, I went into a Costco and I picked up five steaks, you know, just a pack of, of five steaks. Mm-hmm. They were $80. Yeah. 80 Yeah, I know. I was I like, know. what are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. I we, mean, it's re- they are becoming golden calves again. <laughs> <laughs> we get, we usually, we have a tradition that on Christmas Eve, we buy one of those steak roasts. Yeah, like yeah. it's a rib oh, steak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. And usually they're a lot. But this year they're, I don't know, $300 or something. Oh my gosh. So we're just, I mean, we're, we're going to get um, kibbles and bits this year. I, for, for seriously. <laughs> I mean, Christmas Eve. I can afford, you know, inflation yeah uh yeah and even i backed away i mean i don't uh, know how the much. average person Mm-mm. is having meat right now yeah it's one yeah. of those things too even if you can afford it it's a value proposition right like do i really want to spend 80 dollars on five steaks no. like even if you can afford the 80 dollars, it just to. seems insane especially mm-hmm. if i mean you better know you're going to eat them you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> or just yeah. put them in the freezer cuz sometimes well, you why know why else are you buying steaks well because sometimes you'll <laughs> think i'm going to go out you know i'm going to i'm going to have a steak on monday or whatever mm-hmm. and then something comes up and then we don't have time to cook or <laughs> yeah. we're going someplace and then you forget about it and by the end of the week you're like uh the steaks are brown can we eat that still <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no now it's like if you're getting meat you better damn eat that meat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And then you couple that with the gas prices, and I don't know how. How are you getting to work? Uh, how pe- are people getting to work? I, I don't know. Do you see that they're they're um, oh, uh, releasing more oil f- from the yeah, uh, energy from the oil reserves? Yeah. That that is it. First of all, it didn't work the first time. It's right. not going to work this time. And no. when are you going to refill it? Um, guys, Usually we never. refill when it comes down in price. It's yeah. not coming down in price. I, I, I love these people who just 
are pretending that this is meat and any kind of oil based product is never coming back down as long as these people are in charge. You guys are so out of touch. Oh, really? So out of touch. I mean, okay. listen to you. Listen to this. You have gas prices. Pete Buttigieg, uh, in, on cut six here, kind of walks us through oh. how you should deal with gas prices. Okay. Oh, All right. It's nice and easy. Cut six. Now there's talk about the Build Back Better Act, which is the quote unquote uh, human infrastructure. Are there things in that? legislation that's uh, now being cobbled together that is important to you as the Secretary of Transportation? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, obviously, most of the physical infrastructure work uh, mm -hmm. was contemplated in the bill that was just signed, but there is more envisioned in the Build Back Better law. I'll give you one example. Right. It contains incentives to make it more affordable to buy an electric vehicle, up to oh. a $12,500 discount, in effect, for families mm -hmm. thinking about getting an EV. Uh, families that wow. once they own that electric vehicle will never have to worry about gas prices again see <laughs> just wow. buy so a six just buy figure an electric car hundred and twenty five thousand dollar tesla yeah and minus fourteen five or twelve five oh, right. right okay so okay. you get it for a hundred and eight thousand right now so a hundred and eight thousand dollars that's that is the average family car yeah and then you, you just have to drive it a hundred and eight thousand <laughs> miles if it's a dollar per gallon you might right. be saving because you still have to pay for the electricity and of course that's going up too yeah but if you go through all of that mm -hmm. i mean in, in, well, a, in a matter of multiple decades you're going to make your money back. I see. People don't understand that. You know, they're too yeah, simple-minded. Too simple-minded. Mm -hmm. You know, you say that energy is going up. The electricity mm -hmm. price is going up. But is it really once we get rid of, you know, all of the coal Electricity and all of the electricity. No, it's going to be way cheaper once we get rid of that. It is. Are you sure? Coal. Okay. Pretty sure. All yeah, right. I'm pretty sure that's how it I, works. I thought the Build Back Better bill <clears throat> seemed like a scam to control everyone and to impoverish everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you don't. You're not thinking that. That's no. What that, no. No. Okay. That's not what that's well, about. There are no. ways to make sure. Are solar panels and wind energy a lot more expensive than something like coal or natural uh -huh. gas? Yes. And do they yes. work as yes. well? No. No, of they course not. As long? No, no one's saying that. Are no we getting one's as much energy that. out of it? No. But what if we pass another multi-trillion dollar bill that just takes money from people who are producing the economy mm -hmm. and give it to people who would rather use that electricity so we get the same or a more deficient product, but for just a little bit more money rather than a lot more? That is how you solve oh. a problem in this country. Mm -hmm. Just subsidize the worst option. <laughs> You're talking common sense in Washington. <laughs> yes. You are. Thank you. I mean, a lot yeah, of people you. in Washington, D.C. are going, right? He gets right. it. Right. He Finally. It. Yeah. Somebody on conservative radio saying the truth. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, have you heard about uh, the new Jack? From Twitter? Oh, the new CEO. Yeah, the new CEO. We're going to talk about him coming up in a little while. He's fantastic. He's good. Yeah, yeah he's, he's fantastic. Good. Have you gone to Twitter today? I have not. No. Okay, you go to Twitter because if you go to Twitter today, you'll see right at the top, uh, they want you to know, hey, those things that the new guy in charge here said... Mm -hmm. uh, those are taken out of context. He meant that as a joke. Oh, yeah. It's what, what's happening. An old tweet from Parag Agrawal. Is that his I name? love him. Uh, it's a quote from a television show, and it's a satirical, satirical take on stereotypes, journalist report. 
Mm-hmm. Journalist, oh. Journalists <clears throat> report. Oh. As part of a panel on The Daily huh. Show from uh-huh. October 26, uh-huh. 2010. Uh-huh. Which it, is why he didn't quote that it was from that, uh, because he was just joking around. And yeah. what was supposed to be evident to all of us. And I'm so glad to see they're setting the standard uh, that when somebody says something as a joke... It's immediately at the top of everyone's Twitter feed. Yes. Hey, we want you to know this was a joke. <laughs> I think that is, that's a good standard. Yeah. That's a good standard. It really is. Uh, Again, also, you know. like, you don't have to quote every joke that happens on The Daily Show. You pick the one you really like yeah. and you think is really yes. funny. Right. So when he said, if they are if they are not going to make a distinction between Muslims and extremists, then why should I distinguish between white people and racists? He thought that really That's connected really with him, yeah, that, even if it's not his line. Right, you don't quote lines. Still, what a great line! Yeah, he thought it was That's hilarious. Thinking, and actually, if you look at it from the other side of the aisle, if mm-hmm. you will, yeah, into fantasy land, crazy land, stupid land, really. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at that, that's a valid point. If you're not going to separate a Muslim from terrorists, which we always, always do. have, always do. Uh, why should you expect anyone to say, well, a white person isn't a racist? That, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's not even funny. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. But what he's saying it, how he's saying it is that all white people will never, ever give Muslims a break. And so why don't mm-hmm. we just say that all white people, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like a good point to me. I, I will. I will admit. <laughs> no, it's it's not one. It's not one that is gleefully said right. out loud yeah. right. in public. Yes. But if from their point of view, it is right. So how. He's offending, really, honestly, by saying that was a joke, he's offending everybody on the left. Because everybody on the left would go, yeah, yeah, all right. white people do stereotype Muslims. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're all Neanderthals. It is back from 2010, though, where maybe we made the distinction that some white people could not be racist. You know, back in those days, it was possible for someone with white skin to not have negative characteristics assigned to them, which, those by the way, the is the definition ages. of racism. Those That's were weird. the dark ages, yeah. though. We mm-hmm. now know that all white people are all racist. Yeah. yeah. We that's that not, now. but that's not racist. No, what you just said. No, no. When you identify someone mm. by skin color with negative <laughs> characteristics, that's <laughs> not racism. Right. Just so we are clear, that is, I guess, the the old school definition of racism. Oh, by the way, the guy who is in charge of the um, uh, the CRT classes and all of the you know all of the curriculum. Yeah, yeah. In um, in Virginia, got a new gig. New gig in Houston. Mm. Yeah, in the Houston school district. Yeah, oh, geez. Really? yeah, yeah, and he's oh, going good. to be, uh, uh, he's going to be uh, making sure that Houston is full of equity now. Oh, that's good to hear. So that's wonderful. People don't might not mm. know that uh, who are in Houston. Oops, have I said that out loud? You did say it out loud. You yeah. should probably check into this uh, if you're in Houston because they got rid of him in Virginia and he got a new job in Houston, Texas, at a bigger school district. Isn't that great? Yay! Yay! (laughs) Let's see what the Houston parents do. All right, back in just a second. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program.
I'm going to start with you on the phone. We're going to North Carolina and Matt. Hello, Matt. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Thanks. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. Glenn, I just wanted to say that I, uh, I run a small shed shop that has turned into a kind of a small home company. Um, now, we're not quite there completely, but I've... I've done everything from modulars in between. And when I mean modulars, I mean climate-controlled, stick-built, 50-year homes. But as far as construction, I've watched it. I think right now we're about $6, $7, a two-by-four. I mean, it's gone up. It was up to $14 at one point. Now it's come back down. I own one franchise, by the way, that I bought with my combat pay from one of my last deployments. Hmm. And um, so I run my own, own show here. I'm kind of more of the pointer dog at this point and work in the sales side. But I've watched this inflation, and I've been trying to figure out what to do for homeless vets hmm. because we've got one of the highest per capita homeless vets in uh, North America here outside of Asheville, North Carolina, where we've got one of the better VAs. So anyways, long story short, I got into the small home thing because I was asked every week, what does it take to turn one of these into a tiny home, these sheds? And I had to tell people, no, you can't do that. Don't tell me you're going to live in it or I can't sell it to you. Now, I'm personally in a in a combat infantry vet i don't think the government should tell you what you can and can't do on your own property but that's a whole nother conversation right um the uh the thing that i wanted to bring up here is this the small home thing is here to stay um it's no longer a trend and i, and I don't mean tiny home when you say tiny home inspectors get upset because you're usually having to get a lot of stamps to approve the code but uh, we did our demographic test and looking at how many people are, are, are making money and what are they making. And I looked at the millennials and I looked at the baby boomers and all that. And we still have, you know, what over 75 percent of the money is controlled by the baby boomers. But they only make up what, like 75 million mm-hmm. like that. Now there's 96 million mm-hmm. baby boomers in the market. And a lot of them are still living with mom and dad. And so me being a, a millennial myself, just I'm a grandpa millennial. Um the the world of trying to figure out how do you do this i got three kids you know i never got political until i started having kids it's amazing how that happens but, yeah it is um <laughs> but no the the reality is this has got to be something that we figure out because housing prices have gone through the roof and Asheville area is one of the most sought after for retirement we got all these people we have I mean, tens of thousands of people have moved here from New York and from Florida and from all over just mm. trying to get out of the big cities, um, but also to retire here because we're close to the mountains and, and right in the mountains, really. And so I'm just watching this and trying to figure out what do we do, you know, as far as sustainable living. And I think one of the best things you can do is get out of debt. I mean, we sold uh, our house, downsized, lived in a fifth wheel for a whole year so that we could get out of debt and built a, a house that we just finished that's half the size of what we originally had. It's only 1,300 square feet. So, but the thing is, that it's doable. And I just want to employ the audience. Getting out of debt is one of the biggest things that you can do um, because of what's coming. And most people aren't waking up or they're too comfortable not, not thinking about, oh, I can't sell this house because I've had it for 100 years in the family or whatever. But I just... I see the handwriting on the wall and I really appreciate you articulating it the way you have over the last year and, and throwing the the stats and the facts out there and letting people realize we're not returning to normal. Lumber prices have not come back down. And, um, you know, this new normal, unfortunately, we're going to change the pendulum swings. Yes. But 
it's going to change and the damage is done. I don't know if it's going to be undoable as far as the market. And we're poised for another 2008. Oh yeah. I mean, I watched more than that as a millennial. We, 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 we watched the baby boomers lose, you know, a lot of my friends, older friends lose, um, big time in the market or in the real estate world. And, um, we're not willing as millennials to do that. And we kind of value things a little bit differently. So it's weird when we were doing the floor plans to do the surveys and to see that, you know, baby boomers like the big, big rooms with, you know, a double bath off there. And, you know, my crowd would rather have a small living space and a huge entertainment area. I mean, it's just different priorities across the board. Well, Um, but seeing what we make, Matt, you are absolutely on the right track. You are really well informed. Uh, I thank you for your, your phone call. You, I mean, that is the best message you could give people right now couple things one get out of debt if you can um getting out of debt my grandfather always said the people who made money in the depression are the ones who had money in the depression because most people just didn't have any money and so the people who survived were the ones that could afford to buy things um at dirt cheap prices Um, and people were happy to sell them at dirt cheap prices because they didn't have anything and they needed the money. But there is something different uh, as well. We are living, um, we have lived for the last 20 years or so in what will be regarded as our own kind of roaring 20s. The houses that I see um, that are built here in Texas Uh, And they've been built this way for really 10 years, 20 years. These giant, giant homes. Uh, I will tell you that I think that that is the great Gatsby home of the future. That is those areas that have those big homes. I think they are going to be kind of a little like um, the Newport, Rhode Island homes. They're just not going to be they're going to be set apart as some as a time period the home itself is completely changing if you have a home with a formal dining room and a formal living room that's a thing of the past because he's right people don't we're not living that way we haven't lived that way since the practically the turn of last century But that's when the homes were designed and everything is changing. And he's right again. People that are younger do not want these big homes. So when you have people my age downsizing because all their kids are gone and everything else, we downsize. Who are we going to sell those homes to? Because those big homes, the ones that are up and coming, don't want those big homes. It is changing, and it's changing rapidly. I was telling Stu during the break that um, uh, this week the podcast is with Andrew Yang, and I just recorded it yesterday, and he's fascinating. Now, he was the guy who ran for um, president as a Democrat. I don't know why. He's not really a Democrat. I mean, he he grew up a Democrat, but uh, he doesn't believe in big government. He does believe in things like UBI, 
But we talked about that in the podcast. Universal he, basic income. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's where everybody gets $1,000 every month. A check for $1,000 every month. Uh, and you cut all other services. Okay? Just everybody gets a check for $1,000 a month. He, I don't agree with that. Um, however, we agree on the problem. And very few people... I'm trying to think of another way of saying this because I know I've said it before and I just I wish people would listen. Very few people truly understand what we are on the threshold of. We are on the threshold right now. We are in it. I asked Andrew, are we in it right now? The the Industrial Revolution, which changed us from a a community of people that worked farms with our horses to the life that we have today. That industrial revolution took about a hundred years to fully flip and think of the changes. If you were in, let's say 1850, just at the beginning of the industrial revolution and you're in 1850 and in a 10 year period, 1860 by the civil war, All of the changes that happened from 1850 to 1950 happened by 1860. Earth-shaking. 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 People would be lost. They wouldn't know how to survive. They wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't. They barely understand the machines that they were to operate. That is exactly what is happening right now. And I've been telling you that the Industrial Revolution, that 100-year period, is going to be compressed into a 10-year period, and you're not going to like it. And people are going to be—the upheaval is, is going to be remarkable. And uh, I talked to Andrew Yang about it, and he said, you're exactly right. And I said, I think, we st- well, I think we're at the, end, the beginning of this. I think we're in that 10-year period. And he said, yes, we are. And he again expressed kind of this frustration that I just expressed. How do we get people to, to, to understand this? Because if you don't understand the technology of tomorrow, if you don't understand AI and at least AGI, you don't understand what they're actually working on for robotics, you have no idea what's coming. I mean, he brought up the... Uh, call centers. Anybody working a call center? Google now has your call center and it will be better than a human. Have you ever, have you done yet a computerized call center? I feel like I have yeah. maybe. I I mean, it's tough because I go back and forth on this because some of the stuff is so bad. I mean, I, they can't recognize what you're saying. They, yeah. You know, some, of, some it, of it is really getting good. a lot better. Yeah. You know? Um, so call centers, he said, he said that right now Google has call center technology that will cut all of those call center jobs. And he said, that's ready right now. Mm. Uh, and he said, it's really good. All of our jobs are going to be, uh, at stake. This upheaval is happening and it's going to happen in the banking sector. It's this is what build back better is really all about, but they're not telling you. What they're telling you is we have a golden opportunity to change the world. 
And so we're going to do it by 2030. Hmm. In a 10-year period. And in 10 years, you won't own anything and you'll like it. Hmm. How do you get a country and a whole Western culture that is based on ownership? How do you change that in a 10-year period? Massive, massive upheaval. Now, I want to I'm going to take a quick break and then I want to come back and I want to tie this back to the original statement about buying a home. You're trying to buy a home. You're trying to sell your home. Well, if you're trying to buy a home right now, especially in a place like Texas, which one of my new employees is, she can't find one. Because she was just outbid by seventy five thousand dollars. You know, you're used to, you know, okay, I'll give you $5,000 more. I'll give you $3,000 more. No, this this person, quote unquote, came in with $75,000 over the asking price. Well, they're out. Who does that? Build back better. Now, here's something new that is happening. Almost one in every five U.S. homes sold in the third quarter of this year was purchased by an investor entity rather than an individual that is looking to live in or rent out the residence. Think of that. One in every five homes that have been sold are going to a big investment firm. Investors bought more than 90,000 homes, totaling more than $63 billion, representing 18% of all homes sold in the quarter. The numbers broke all records. Increasing home prices fueled by intense housing shortage have created opportunities for investors to reap big profits. These same factors have pushed more Americans to rent which also creates opportunities for investors because investors typically turn their homes they purchase into rentals and now can charge higher rents. Rent for single-family homes surged by more than 10% in 12 months through September, the fastest annual rent inflation in 16 years. Nearly 77% of all homes were bought in an all-cash transaction. 77% purchased in an all-cash transaction. That's not your average person. And these investment firms, like BlackRock, are going in and buying entire neighborhoods. They are the people that come in and say, I'll give you $75,000 over the asking price. I don't care. I don't, I don't want to play around. We'll just buy it. And they'll pay these exorbitant costs. Now, that doesn't make any sense. We're at the top of a market. Why would investment firms think that they are going to just be able to make money on on paying something $75,000 over the asking price? What is it they know that you don't know? They know, as the Great Reset states, that in by 2030, you will own nothing. And you'll like it. You'll rent. Well, that implies someone owns something 
And you're paying Mr. Potter in the end to live in Pottersville. This is exactly what happened in It's a Wonderful Life. That was the choice. Is the big guy who has money, is he going to come in and swoop in when there's problems and buy up everything and then make them rental houses or make these people enslaved to him for profit? That's exactly what's happening, and it's all happening in the name of equity. But I don't think it means the same kind of equity they think. It's money equity. This is the Great Reset. So now how do we solve this? (laughs) We ask Americans to do what I think is damn near the impossible. Because if somebody comes in and offers $75,000 for your house, $75,000 over asking price, are you going to say no? Most likely, no. Most likely, you'll be like, $75,000? That changes everything for us. But the only way to stop this is to not sell to these big investors. You have to send the money, or you have to send the message. No, I actually care about the little people, not you, who's just gobbling up my whole town. No. It's going to be hard. But literally, I have an employee that cannot find a house within any sane uh, distance from our studios. Cannot find a house to buy. Because they're all being gobbled up. There's a problem. If we leave the little people behind, you know, the normal people... We don't have a very safe and secure country anymore. We have to try to convince each other and hold each other's hands. We're in this together. Don't grab for the cash. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right, I... Speaking of Frank Sinatra, you know where there is not a picture of Frank Sinatra? In the Cuomo house. Oh. (laughs) There might be one. Well, they might might like one, but they probably had to buy it. They probably had to buy it. Yeah, Frank didn't come by. Yeah. Um, Although he may have have spent some time with Mario, I got to say, back in the day. It's very possible. Yeah, Mario. Mario is a Mm -hmm. different story. Mm -hmm. Chris. Mm. This is... uh, you know, I I started off with the Andrew Cuomo thing, and Andrew Cuomo was awful. dot com, and thought to myself, "There's no way that he's going to get at, he's going to step down, he's going to get you know, thrown out of office." Because I am a pessimist, right? You know, I just even though he obviously deserved to be thrown out of uh, of office, and maybe a little jail time, perhaps, <laughs> maybe perhaps. a little jail time. You know, yeah. when you happen to kill thousands of old people, generally <laughs> speaking, that's the you outcome. Do go to jail. However, in this case, no. Uh, I don't mm. think he's going to prison. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. He wound up getting thrown out, you know, kind of more related to the sexual harassment part mm-hmm. of his uh, incredible Which is legacy. so much more important than the killing of old people. Yeah, both are important, but yeah. the killing of old people usually, I, you know, just the whole life and death thing tends yeah. to outweigh <laughs> yeah. almost anything. It really does, do. but not in his case. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, he was 
was, of course, thrown out of office. Uh-huh. And one of the things that popped out of that little scandal mm-hmm. was uh, Chris Cuomo's assistance in the matter. And mm-hmm. I and I said this, you know, a bunch of times. Uh, people kind of gloss over it, but the first words you heard from Andrew Cuomo about this scandal that CNN was covering in real time. Mm-hmm. They were. They mm-hmm. were covering mm-hmm. the Andrew Cuomo scandal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he made that speech, mm-hmm. those words were written by Chris Cuomo. Hmm. That That is known. Mm-hmm. Chris mm-hmm. Cuomo was writing speeches that his own network were covering mm. out of the mouth of his brother yeah, as they, if it was news. But, Their own host was writing the news. But they knew that. I don't think they knew it at the time. <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah. Now, that did you, come out. You, I noticed the pause there. I don't think they knew it at the time because there's there is slight yeah. doubt that maybe they knew it. It's one of those things that they didn't know it on the record at the time. Right. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Now they may have Plausible. known it at the time. Plausible deniability. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now what's interesting about this is that more and more detail has come out, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we of course saw mm-hmm. multiple statements by Chris Cuomo mm-hmm. on the air, correct? Where he addressed and said things that he did do and that he did not do. Yeah. Stuff like he did not use sources, for example, exactly to go after the women who were accusing that would be, his brother. That would be reprehensible. Wrong. Reprehensible. Mm-hmm. By the way, they released some texts from Andrew Cuomo mm-hmm. or, or from Chris Cuomo directly to Melissa DeRosa, who is the top aide slash henchman of mm. Andrew Cuomo. And what did so, they say? Well, uh, he said he was using his sources to get information on <laughs> women really who were accusing. Huh. Isn't that what he told CNN that he wasn't? He didn't doing? do. Yes, yeah, okay. and in fact, the quote one of the one of the women. Uh, it's gonna keep. It's gonna be very difficult for the average person to keep track of all of the women that made mm. accusations against Andrew Cuomo mm. and Chris Cuomo, who was also mm. accused, and that just seemed to have gone mm. away completely. Uh, but Andrew Cuomo was accused by a woman who did not um, uh, did not uh, accuse him of, of some of the criminal type stuff. That went on with some of the other accusers, but accused him of making her feel uncomfortable, uh, grabbed her bare back, uh, pulled her in for an unwanted kiss forcefully in front of cameras. There's cameras uh, and there's video of this. Don't blur your eyes. Now, she was at a wedding. This was mm. at a wedding. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, a woman who did not know Andrew mm. Cuomo, mm-hmm. but just was like a supporter sure. or a fan wanted to meet yeah. him. And then mm-hmm. he, of course, took advantage of that situation because he's a piece of mm, no tongue. No, but go ahead. So this accusation comes out mm-hmm. three days later. Uh, Chris Cuomo t- uh, texts Melissa DeRosa, the aide, and says, I have a lead on the wedding girl. Could have been a completely different wedding girl. <laughs> Could have been. Maybe they uh-huh. needed a girl at a wedding and Correct. he was looking to book May someone. May have been the flower girl. Um, of course, what he says is, no, he was checking with his sources, mm. uh, but just trying to understand when new information might be coming out, not trying to dig up dirt at all. Not at so all. So what are the Vegas odds on him losing his job with CNN? They've changed. That, they've changed. They have I think changed. The, thing, the, the tide is turning, just mm-hmm. like it did with mm-hmm. Andrew. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Chris has committed all sorts of various uh, sins against journalism uh, you know, and against CNN. And I, and I want to be clear here. I don't think CNN has any journalistic integrity oh, when I'm, it comes to Chris Cuomo. Oh, no, they I can guarantee zilch. that. No, I, there is a part, though, at some uh-huh. point, yeah. a person embarrasses you so often, mm. so dramatically mm. that you feel like you need to take steps. 
Huh. And CNN has and now you announced. Thi- you think that CNN is at that point? Well, let me clarify, because okay, you will right. have insight in this, and, uh-huh, I, and uh-huh, I hope uh-huh. I hope you are, are discreet in, in, in the way that you talk about this. Okay. That's what I will say. All right. So. Probably one, not going to happen. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. All this right. is a little bit of a risk. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great risk. We're out of the limb a little bit here. All right, today. Go ahead. So first of all, CNN has launched another investigation. Another investigation. They're going to go look through all of these texts and uh, see what Chris be, has done. Yeah, uh, all over it. There's a bunch of stuff in there. We can't go through all of mm-hmm. it at the moment. But mm-hmm. I will say, uh, if they are honest, obviously they would fire this guy. He's but not, they're not honest. Not only has he broken every journalistic rule and made mm-hmm. a mockery of journalism, mm-hmm. he also uh, has lied to his employer multiple times and embarrassed them multiple times. And in addition to this, does a terrible television show. And <laughs> CNN should look at this as a blessing from God to get out of the contract. Right? Mm, like, mm. just as an excuse, just fire him because you could say, gosh, we didn't so know what he was so say- bad. What and you said, were- save your money. What you were saying mm-hmm. here is that somebody in the hallway should go, huh, right? Moral turpitude. Yeah. Aren't you glad that's in the contract? Right, exactly. Right, now, okay. I want to take a step that I think you're going to understand here. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the entire audience will understand the specifics, but let me explain the generalities. I can't so you so, watch cable news you might be a fan of cable news right and you see the hosts have on great guests from time to time glenn beck comes on a show you're like wow i like when glenn beck comes on the show he's a big famous talk show host has a yeah, lot to say right he's pretty interesting and then mm. the next guest comes on and you're like wow that person is a real expert in their field and i understand why they're on and then every once in a while someone like jeffrey tubin comes on the air mm. here's a guy who is in the middle of a zoom call Mm-hmm. And whips the thing out and goes to town mm-hmm. and is back on the air in like a couple of months. It's just a weird thing, normally speaking, that would not be the case. And you might well, say... Well, because it does make everybody a little mm-hmm. uncomfortable when you're like, isn't that the guy who was playing with himself? Yes. yes. Uh, and when he tries to say, oh, can you believe what an idiot this person was? Yeah, you It's kind hard of, to take him seriously, <laughs> right? A little difficult. It is yeah. difficult. Right. And you might say, why does that happen? And, and mm-hmm, you'll notice mm-hmm. it particularly with legal analysts on cable news channels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Tubin back on the air. Odd, right? And a lot of people chalk that up to, oh, well, he's liberal. Okay, that might be part of it. But let me propose another. I'm beginning to think <laughs> I might know a story that you don't want me to right. tell. Right. Okay. Uh, maybe right. multiple Okay, stories. right. So right. what happens often at cable news networks mm-hmm. is there are lots of executives who work there. Mm-hmm. And they have um, issues in their own personal <laughs> lives, which need legal attention, uh-huh, okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. it's sometimes convenient huh. to pull in a legal expert who happens to work for the channel up to your office to have a little conversation and throw out maybe a little personal legal conversation, a little consultation off the books in a normal, friendly way. Hmm. And... Often might even be incentive to keep their mouth shut on things that they've done by just having them. Hey, you should be famous. Yeah, maybe you should come. What if we book you on all these shows all (laughs) the time? Yeah, that's crazy. And and that's good because your legal analysis is important. And let me ask you this question uh on the side about my personal life that's (laughs) sensitive. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. often, and I I know no specifics here, of course, but... (laughs) Sometimes these legal experts have a way of of worming their way into these mm. networks because they give legal advice to very important people who are there. Uh-huh. Now, 
If you were a league, if you happen to be executive at CNN, mm-hmm. and you happen to let's say take legal consult from a Chris Cuomo at some point uh, while he works there, uh-huh. it might be difficult for you to fire him because he's giving legal consult and PR consult about a sensitive issue to someone else. Because if you fire him, he might just bring up or leak that information to the media. And believe me, he in particular would not be above such a thing, in my opinion. So now you (laughs) might notice this happening from time to time where you see, wow, this legal analyst is terrible you, on the air it's you know and what's, we, what's weird is i have a very specific <laughs> example of this happening really maybe multiple uh, examples yeah. no one really okay. <laughs> the point one is really man let me just see if it's the same one you're thinking of I, I can think of a couple okay and i'm sure one so, of them is this there's no reason to go into specifics on it at all my point here is that this is a common occurrence and may be at play with okay, both right. Jeffrey Dubin and Chris Cuomo, right. in my opinion. Okay, in mm-hmm. your opinion. I think that's crazy unless you know what has happened to us. Well, again, I where, don't... What? Where I was doing an interview with said legal analyst that is not said, uh, and... Uh, mm-hmm. We we taped it in advance, and it was one that was suggested that he was a good guy to go to. Mm. And I ripped him to shreds, (laughs) to shreds. I think I threw him out of my studio, okay, if I remember right. Did I? Something like that. Yeah, Yeah. I threw him out of the studio and said, because I said to him during the interview, are you out of your mind? What what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. That is completely... uh, and it was just odd. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, and I threw him out and he said, do you realize who I am? Like, I don't give a crap who you are. That strangely never aired. Um, <laughs> uh, there was somebody in the control room that said mm. that is not ever airing. Mm. And uh, and, it, it, and we realized that's why that guy sucks so much and is still on the air. Mm. Huh. So these things do. They do happen. Occur. And and look, I think it's possible Chris Cuomo has finally pushed far enough to for whatever protection he's uh, been able to uh, acquire over the years. He may it may not be able to protect him anymore. I mean, this is so far over the line, not even just as a journalist, but as a, a human being. I mean, this is so far over the line. So maybe CNN will mm. will act here, but if they don't, <laughs> uh, I will have a couple of guesses <laughs> as to what is occurring. So you know it's weird, Stu, mm. and I feel bad for Chris Cuomo at this point. Do you? I do because he's not the Godfather. He's Fredo. Mm. So let me just say this to Fredo. If they invite you to go fishing on a lake, don't do it. I just want to offer that little bit of advice. <laughs> don't go fishing with your brother's friend. Just throwing that out. 
By the way, today is Giving Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we gorged ourselves with Thanksgiving and then Black Friday and then Cyber Monday. Mm-hmm. Can you think about someone else other than yourself for just a second? So it's Giving Tuesday today. This is actually the biggest day um, for nonprofits to be able to get people to give. I don't know why. It's not like it's not like if I heard me talking about it, me and I know me. Yeah. It's not like if I heard me talking about it in my car that I'd be like, you know what? This is exactly the day I'm going to give. I don't know why this has become a big deal. It, yeah. It's, it's cool, though. But I it's mean, cool. It's really great. It's really great. Uh, today, um, if you are feeling generous. No, no, no. Let me say it this way. You are feeling generous. You are thinking about giving lots of money to Mercury One. I should give lots of money to Mercury One. You are thinking, I should get on the internet right now. I like the internet. I'm going to get on the internet right now. And go to MercuryOne.org. MercuryOne.org. Oh, there it is. When I snap my fingers, you're going to put everything you have into that little donation box. Everything. And you will forget we ever had this conversation. Okay. Let's don't. Anyway, so it's Giving Tuesday. I need a raise. I have no more money. What happened? I gave it all away to Mercury One. They do such Damn important it. work. Did Didn't you know that? Work. It did. He remembered. But you still feel good, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Mercury One. Go to MercuryOne.org right now and um, and help in many many of the projects. You know, feeding people, preserving and teaching history. And helping rescue slaves all around the world. Na, na, na.